Hello, and welcome to the Welligant Woman Podcast, a place for women over 40 who are ready to transform midlife, reimagine what's possible, and make each new decade better than the last. I'm your host, Karen Viesta, certified health and life coach. And after going through my own midlife reinvention, I can honestly say that I now experience more energy, vitality, confidence, and joy than I ever have before. Each week, I'll be sharing information, inspiration, and strategies to help you do the same. Let's get started. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back. This is episode seven, and we are talking about sleep the thing that is probably most elusive to women in their 40s and 50s. It seems that nearly every woman I speak to is struggling with some kind of issue around sleep, whether it's disrupted sleep or full-on insomnia. Um, So I thought it was an important topic to address in this week's episode. Um, Before I even get into it, because I'll be going over some specific information, uh, don't worry about taking notes. You are probably like me and you are probably listening to podcasts kind of on the run. Uh, Instead of taking notes, I have created a cheat sheet for you. So you can just listen and then at some point go to welligantwoman.com forward slash sleep and you can download the cheat sheet, which basically outlines uh, a lot of the information that I'll be providing in this episode. So To start, we all know that seven to nine hours is what is widely recommended when it comes to sleep. And most women, especially women in their 40s and 50s, don't come even close to that. Many are clocking in only about five to six hours of solid, uninterrupted sleep. And this is not only frustrating, but it's really uh, detrimental to our health. And I'll explain why. During sleep, your body is working to maintain and support your body and your brain. A friend of mine uses the washing machine analogy, um, you know, in the sense that our body is kind of cleansing itself, clearing out everything that, that we don't want and providing energy so that the body can function. Um, it's also in a state of repairing and rebuilding at night when we sleep. The way you feel when you're awake, both physically and emotionally, depends in large part on what happens while you're sleeping. Um, On a mental and emotional level, it affects how well we think, how quickly we react, um, how well we can focus and work and learn, and even how we relate to others. So, you know, it it has some really far-reaching consequences when we're not getting the seven to nine hours of sleep that we need each night. Um, on a just simply a physical level, it affects every system of the body, your heart, the circulatory system, your metabolism, the respiratory system, and immune function. Getting inadequate sleep over time raises your risk for chronic diseases and for a lot of long-term health issues. So, you know, for all those reasons and more, uh, sleep is just so important. We really can't ignore it. We need to pay as much attention to our sleep as we pay to what we put into our body, what we eat, uh, and how we exercise. Sleep is really that important. It's, It's a cornerstone of health, especially in our 40s and 50s when our body really needs that energy and it really needs that repair and that cleansing because our hormones are fluctuating and it's creating a lot of imbalance. 
Um, so why is sleep such a struggle for women in midlife? I mean, you talk to nearly you know, anybody in their 40s and 50s, and they have experienced at some point hot flashes, night sweats, um, you know, kind of just sleep disruption. And this is because cortisol spikes, um, and cortisol is a hormone, so when it's out of balance, it's spiking at times that are not really in line with the circadian rhythm. So, um, so we may be waking up because we're warm and experiencing you know, temperature dysregulation, hot flashes, night sweats. We may be just simply waking up because our body clock is thrown off and that circadian rhythm is not what it should be. Um, but there are things that we can do about it. It's, it's not a hopeless situation. Um, it is a process of trial and error. Our bodies and lives are all so unique that what works beautifully for one woman may not work at all for another. So, you know, to really tackle this, we have to be willing to try different things, to give each one a little bit of time because most of the time results don't happen right away, um, and to constantly assess and readjust. The process is not linear. You know, we may experience setbacks or periods of time where sleep is better or worse as hormones continue to fluctuate. So. You know, understand that hormones are fluctuating. And so, you know, in connection with that, sleep is going to fluctuate to some degree. We have to expect that and not become too frustrated by it. Um, so I'll start by saying a big part of this is a mental game. We have to really manage our thoughts about sleep and about menopause in general. It is a temporary situation. You will eventually get a handle on it. And thinking about it that way will serve you much better than if you consider it to be sort of a, a life sentence. You know, you're going to be exhausted for life. <laughs> I mean, I think that's the way a lot of women um, kind of think about it and talk about it. And that's not serving us. So, you know, the more you can just kind of talk yourself down from the ledge and, and you know, convince yourself that although this is something you may not have control over, absolute control over it, um, there are certain things we can do that can make it more tolerable, that can bring our bodies into more of a state of balance, and it's a temporary situation that we will eventually move out of. Uh, the idea is that you know we want to always think about it as uh, not, not as if your body is working against you, but as if you're working with your body and you're learning how to best support your body. Um, along those lines, please stop complaining about it. I am so much more intentional now about how I speak than I used to be because I've really seen that the words we speak hold a lot of power. And the less airtime we give to our insomnia and our sleep issues, the less they will plague us. I promise you, if you have to discuss it with somebody, don't say things like, I have insomnia or I don't sleep. State it as if it's a temporary situation that you're working on. This, this might sound very silly to you and it might seem like a very small thing, but when you spend a lot of time telling yourself these kinds of things, A, it stresses you out and B, it perpetuates the problem. So, you know, create a thought that 
you can run through your mind almost like a mantra during those times when you're lying awake and you're frustrated. We've all had those moments when we're lying in bed and we're tossing and turning and looking at the clock a million times and getting more and more anxious, counting how many hours until we have to get up and anticipating how exhausted we'll be the next day. Does this ever make it better? Does it ever help us to relax and fall back asleep? Nope, (laughs) never. It only makes it worse to ruminate and to get anxious about it. So, So those are just a couple of little, you know, mental mindset strategies that will help. Um, Here, you know, in the next part of the podcast, I want to give you some very practical lifestyle strategies and habits that can go a long way toward promoting sleep. Um, I'm going to discuss a bunch, but again, don't worry about taking notes. Uh, You can download that cheat sheet and I will give you again the um, URL for that in in a bit. Uh, You can access it right on the website and I will get that right out to you. So number one, is stop drinking anything, water, soda, certainly alcohol. Stop, stop drinking early in the evening, ideally around 6 p.m. This was a really hard one for me because I loved having a cup of tea at night. It just I felt like it was kind of part of my evening routine, and it was a really hard habit to break, but it really helps to eliminate those trips to the bathroom in the night. And sometimes when you get up, even... You know, even just to use the bathroom, mentally your your mind wakes up and it's really hard to get back. So if you can limit the number of times you're waking up uh, in the night, you're just going to give yourself a better chance of, of getting into a really deep restorative sleep. So stop drinking early in the evening. Number two is try to maintain a regular sleep schedule. The goal here is to support your body's natural circadian rhythm. Um, So you want to make sure that every night you're going to bed at roughly the same time and every morning you're waking up at roughly the same time because then your body begins to internalize that that kind of schedule. Um, And related to that, you want to get light and fresh air throughout the day, particularly in the morning because that, again, kind of resets our body clock. So that's number three, light and fresh air, um, preferably in the morning, you know, as early in the morning as you can get it. Number four is exercise. But here's the thing that I want to point out about exercise. Um, While you want to exercise every day, you don't want to be doing it in the evening because often that will rev you up. So, you know, just the time of day that we want to be winding down, we don't really want to be engaging in exercise. So try to get that exercise in earlier in the day. Number five is look at your evening routine. Um, Usually this is, you know, some sort of self-care. If you can create a, um, almost like a trigger, you know, a a set of rituals or routines, like, for example, doing your skincare or taking a bath or journaling or reading, those habits become a signal to the nervous system that it's time to wind down. So it really helps the body to settle itself. It helps the mind to settle itself. And it can be very um, good for inducing sleep. Number six is the temperature in the room. 65 degrees is optimal. Anything above that really doesn't allow the body to get into the deepest, you know, most restorative sleep. 
So try to keep the temperature in the room to about 65 degrees. Number seven is white noise. Now this isn't always necessary for people, but a lot of times it can be helpful, especially if you live in a city or someplace where there might be some street noise. The white noise will help to drown that out. Um, but even if there's not a situation where you have street noise, sometimes just that gentle humming um, is, is helpful. And of course, now there are you know little noise machines you can get. There are um, apps that you can download on your phone. It's easier than ever to find you know this, this, these kinds of noises, whether they're nature sounds or you know the sounds of uh, birds or you know sometimes it's um, just the humming kind of the way a fan or an air conditioner would hum. That can be very helpful. Number eight is try to eliminate technology for at least one hour before bed. Um, I, I recently read an article and I wish that I could remember so that I could give the author credit. Um, I, I don't remember the title or the author, but essentially it was, it was talking about the fact that um, many people will, after a busy day, when they haven't had much time for themselves, they'll reward themselves with tech before bed. You know, they'll, they'll give themselves, I don't know, 30 minutes or an hour where they'll scroll through social media or, you know, read the news or whatever. They're doing it on their phone. And actually, this is no reward at all. It's preventing us from getting a good, deep, restorative sleep. So if you're somebody who tends to kind of get onto social media or get onto the phone right before you go to sleep, um, you may think that you're winding down but that's actually a habit you'll want to avoid because you're, you're really triggering areas in the brain. You're stimulating areas in the brain that you don't want to stimulate before you go to sleep. Uh, number nine, no caffeine after 3 p.m. I've even heard some doctors say no caffeine after noon. Um, but certainly after 3 p.m., you want to avoid any caffe caffeinated beverages. And be aware, even decaf has some caffeine. So I, I drink decaf almost all the time, but I, I really don't even have decaf in the um, late afternoon or evening. Number 10 is limit alcohol, or you know, best of all, if you can avoid it, avoid it, because alcohol is not a friend to sleep. <laughs> um, and even if it helps you to fall asleep, it will, A, you won't get a really good sleep you're not going to sleep solid and usually you'll be waking up in the night at some point um, it just it, it really disrupts the natural sleep cycle number 11 is try to sleep in complete darkness which might mean blackout shades or a sleep mask this again goes towards supporting the circadian rhythm and that kind of blackness um, you know, is very settling to the brain and the nervous system. Number 12 is to manage stress and mental busyness, not just in the evening, but throughout the day. Um, you know, the stress we have mentally, it, it kind of, we feel it in our body and um, we definitely feel it when it comes to our sleep. There are lots of meditation apps uh, among others, there's the Calm app and Headspace, both of which I happen to like a lot. But there are many, many of them. 
And even on YouTube, you can find a slew of meditations, breathing exercises. Um, you can find kind of like hypnosis recordings that are specifically designed for sleep. So, you know, look, look around and see if you can find something um, that you can begin using on a regular basis to just manage the stress and busyness of your mind. Uh, the last two items are ones that you will want to discuss with your doctor. One of them is supplements for sleep. Um, be guided by whatever your doctor advises you to do, uh, but there are certain supplements that can support sleep. Personally, I take magnesium, not, not only for sleep, but for you know many other health benefits. Um, I tried melatonin. That's another supplement that is frequently used for sleep support. It, it, you know, for me personally, it just didn't work at all. I have girlfriends for whom melatonin was a lifesaver. Um, that's why I say it's really trial and error, and you may need to try different things to find exactly what works for you. But your doctor can guide you toward sleep supplements that you may wish to try. And number 14 is, again, you know, you can discuss with your doctor hormone replacement therapy. If you are a candidate for it, and of course, some women are not. Uh, hormonal support can be effectively used for sleep when the, the, the symptoms necessitate that. So again, as far as lifestyle changes and habits, uh, experiment. Try to incorporate some of the things that I listed, and you'll very likely be able to improve your sleep naturally. If you're interested in looking into supplements and or hormones, that's a conversation to have with your doctor and he or she will guide you based on your unique body and your specific needs. So I hope that helps. Um, remember that, you know, while we can't control everything that confronts us in perimenopause and menopause, there are a lot of things that we can control in menopause and you'd like support around this, visit WellAgainWoman.com. I have a coaching package for women over 40 who want to transform their bodies and their lives. I also have a free guide called the Midlife Glow Up, Seven Days to Your Healthiest and Most Radiant Self. And that guide is a great way to kind of kickstart some new hormone healthy habits. So head on over and grab that. Have a fabulous week and I'll be back next week. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Welligant Woman podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please don't forget to subscribe. And I'd love it if you would leave a five-star review and share it with others. Thanks again for tuning in, and I'll catch you in the next episode.